Hey, good morning. Ooh, sorry. Good morning. Um, my name's Matt. I'm marriage and family pastor here at Calvary. If you could grab your Bibles, Romans 16 is where we're going to be hovering today. If you looked ahead, you saw that this is every speaking pastor's worst nightmare. There's a list of names in here that we are going to go through. And uh, I only wish Trevor back in the sound booth, he gave me this book in between services. That's easy for you to say. It is the quick guide to pronouncing Bible names. If only I got that at the beginning of the week. Thank you, Trevor. Um, but you can go through that and look. Um, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a group of people that Paul is thanking. Paul, in the book of Romans, he is writing a letter. We are reading somebody else's mail. He's writing from Corinth to the people of Rome. And this is basically the part at the end of the story where he's just sending out thank yous. It's like, it's like a thank you speech. And if you've ever had to be in that position of you just kind of went through a big event or something and you just start naming off all the people you're trying to remember and you always forget one and then it gets really bad and you decide you're never going to do that again. Well, Paul is doing that here to some extent. And so what we want to do is we want to talk about this, but he's doing something that is unique He's doing something that is interesting. He's doing something that needs to happen more here at Calvary Church, in the body of Christ in general, in your relationships with your friends, with your kids, your grandkids, your spouses. If we could incorporate this into our life more, I believe that there'd be greater unity among us. Now, we are living here on an earth that has 7.046 billion people. That's a lot of people. Here in Orange County, we have three, three million plus people. And some of my greatest entertainment is watching people try to be noticed, try to stick out. You see the, the auditions on American Idol. You see some of the people on Wipeout who are just like trying to be noticed and then they get hit in the face and fall in the water, right? But think about this. Do you ever just sit in places where it just feels crowded, where you feel like cattle, where you feel unnoticed? Sometimes that is on the freeway in your commute. And as bad as that might be in those moments, it could never be as bad as this situation that you're going to see here. This is the morning commute on a Japanese subway. Check it out.
and now they're off to work. Is that amazing? The five freeway doesn't look so bad anymore, right? Now, it's hard to be noticed in a seat. Can you imagine what it's like to be on the inside of that? It's, it's a little bit crazy. I, I, somebody came up after first hour and said, I was in one of those in the 1970s, and it's almost like a sport. They said there's laughing and giggling on the inside. How many can we actually get in there? Um, Paul is writing a list. He's, he's making a list, and he's naming people. And so today, I, I want to just focus in on what is going on. But uh, there is a word that I think Paul is, is trying to get across in here. And rather than us just talking about a bunch of names of a bunch of people who were alive 2,000 years ago and let's figure out who they are and what they did. Um, there's something bigger that I think God is up to and why God allowed this even to be in the word to begin with. And, and so the word is, you ready? Here's my big Superman moment. You ready? The word is particularize. Thank you. I know. I did a couple extra push-ups yesterday, but it didn't help. All right. But look, I'm going to wear this today because I want you to remember this word, okay? It's not a gimmick. We're not selling them out in the lobby, although we could. Anyway, but I want us to know this word, and this is a word in particular that we need to remember, Um, and the word is particularize. And for us here, since we are part of the body of Christ, living in the body of Christ, it should encourage us to particularize one another. Now, you have uh, an outline in your bulletins, and so you can pull that out and see a little bit where I'm going and, and see. But uh, in there, we, we have a dictionary definition of this. And so the word particularize, it means, and I, I love when dictionaries do this, they, they actually use the word to define the word, but this is what we got, and I'll explain a little bit more. But it means to, pay, to make particular, to mention or indicate specifically, to specify, to state or treat in detail, or to speak or treat particularly or specifically. Uh, I, I want us to see today that Paul is up to something, that Paul is doing something that we don't have enough of going on in our, our culture today, and that is to particularize one another. Now, particularizing one another, some of you have not been particularized in your life. This, this word means to notice, and it's, it's more than just, wow, I like how your hair looks today, or what a great outfit. It's, it's something that is far deeper than what is going on on the surface. It's something that is soulish. It's something on a deep level where you are seeing somebody, where you are noticing something deep within them that maybe they want to believe in themselves, but they've never had somebody that said, I see this in you. And so sometimes I think that in our culture we try to be noticed and we try to put those things out there and we're hoping that people see it. But to be particularized is a gift. To particularize somebody else is a gift to that person. And so I want us to think through as we go through a list of names What is it that Paul is doing here in this passage that we can apply into our own life? So Romans 16. First thing that he does is we we, we particularize when we build other people up. Now, in verse 1, he's writing this letter to the people of Rome and he's naming names. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord 
in the manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Now, Paul is, is building her up, and he's talking about her. And now, Phoebe is somebody that we want to actually notice a little bit because she's important. We believe that she is the one that actually took the letter that Paul wrote, and she went from Corinth and brought it to Rome. Um, the map that we showed last week, you can see Corinth right in the middle. This is where Paul was writing from. Sincrea is, is a little coastal town. Um, the ancient ruins probably where Paul was at is now underwater. Um, but this woman, Phoebe, was somebody who was a partner in the ministry of the church that Paul was going on. In fact, as you see and as we read through this list of names, Paul includes all kinds of people. But women, of the 26 names that are listed here, we believe that 10 of those are women. So women were shoulder to shoulder in the work that was going on here. And Phoebe in particular took the letter that was written by Paul and she brought it on a boat, walking a long way and getting to Rome and finally delivering it. And Paul is saying, when she gets here, I want you to greet her, welcome her in a manner worthy of the Lord. She is part of us. And so before there was like hotel apps and other things, she couldn't go online and just say, this is what we got. And, and a lot of times the inns there... In, in the Bible times were not safe, wonderful places. Sometimes they were even brothels. So you were dependent on knowing people in the place that you got. And if you didn't know them, then you needed to have some kind of connection. So Paul is sending her with a letter and saying, I know her. She's one of us. I want you to greet her. And so oftentimes when you traveled from one place to another, you stayed with people. You were dependent on them for sleeping. You were dependent on them for what you were going to eat and for getting around and to be introduced and to be connected with people. So especially for somebody like Phoebe, who's going there as a woman, we don't know if she traveled alone or not, but she needed some connections in Rome. And so Paul is listing her. And then beyond that, we believe that she was a benefactor, that she was not only supporting and part of the ministry work, but she financially was giving and supporting to the ministry that Paul was a part of. So we do that when we build others up. We're particularizing people when we build others up and say, this person, I know this person, this person is one of us, I want you to greet. That happens, we don't even have to send letters, we could send emails, but we can also just do this face to face. Hey, this is this person, and I want to just tell you a couple things about them and why we want to bring them in to our body, into our fellowship here. We also particularize people when we acknowledge other people. And so Paul has a list. And what I want to do is actually just go through this list, and we're going to read it. And I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you all think that I'm Jewish and I know everything, so we're going to just go through it. So... There's something here, but as you look, and even on the back of the outline, I've listed all of the names on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, Paul kind of makes mention. He gives something unique about each one of these people. And, and so you can look at it. I've attached some other um, passages that you could do some deeper digging and looking into and say, oh, this is really interesting. And you can kind of figure out what they were about. I'm going to highlight just a couple. But in verse 3, it says this. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. We believe this is modern-day Turkey. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They did some time together who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved 
in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker. Just so you know, in verses 8 and 9, they believe that those are names of slaves. And if I could even just interject, out of these 26 names, there are two families and there are three house churches that are mentioned. But Paul has this distinctive, he's not name dropping all of the popular people. In this list, he includes men and women and the wealthy and the poor. He even includes those who are not even Christians and part of the body. He is listing the people that he knows, and up until this point, he hasn't even made it to Rome. He's never been there, but these are people that he knows. There's probably less than 100 people that he knows in all of Rome at this point. So in verse 9, we have one of the slaves, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. The other thing is some of these names are Jewish and some of these are distinctly Roman, named after some of the gods, like Apollos. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus. When it says the household of, that, these two guys, uh, Aristobulus and Narcissus, they're probably not believers, but they have people who are probably serving in their household who these, these men, the, the kings of their house, um, were not believers. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Believe that these are women's names. Um, one of those names means delicate and the other one means dainty. Um, which, by the way, if you are expecting a child anytime soon and you didn't find the book that says all the popular names today, you could go through this passage and you can see maybe one of the names. We don't have a lot of Tryphosas in our children's ministry, so that might work. But these two, they were workers in the Lord. And again, we see women have a role in the church and they're serving and they're working together. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Now, interesting here, Rufus, let's park here for one second. Um, Rufus is this kind of interesting uh, character. His name comes up uh, just two times in the Bible. One is right here. If you actually go back to Luke chapter 23... Verse 26. In Luke 23, 26, Luke mentions him and he says, when they led him away. Now, let, let, me, let me just um, give you context here. Jesus has been beaten. Jesus is about to be crucified, but before he actually is nailed to the cross, he has to carry the cross and be mocked through the town. And so as he's going through, there's this scene that takes place. In verse 26, it says, When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. You remember this scene? They just pull a guy from the crowd and says, Here, you're going to carry the cross. Um, Simon of Cyrene is that man, but Mark, so that's Luke, but Mark in, in chapter 15, 21, and I put this on the back of your outline, but in Mark 15, 21, we, we have a little bit more detail. Mark is actually writing to Rome. I think he's actually writing from Rome, and so the same story, different perspective, but says they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country. Now, during the time that Jesus was crucified, this is Passover. It's one of the Jewish pilgrimage feasts. So Jews from all over are coming into town. But we have Simon of Cyrene. And then Mark adds this little parenthetical statement. The father of who? Alexander and Rufus. To bear his cross. So the scene takes place where Simon of Cyrene comes through and does something that he wasn't expecting to do that day. He carries 
the cross of Jesus, and then Jesus is nailed to that. Imagine the story that was told when Simon gets back to his homeland, and he says, you wouldn't believe what I experienced. Well, we know that Simon has two sons, and one of these sons is mentioned here by Paul. And so I think that there's something that's going on generationally where Simon has a son, Rufus, and now Rufus is part of the church, and Paul makes special note and mention of this, and he acknowledges him, and he particularizes him, and says that he is a choice man in the Lord. Can you imagine Rufus hanging out with his friends and saying, let me tell you what my dad did one day. And he tells this story again. In verse 14, greet Asyncritus, greet Phlegon. It might be my favorite one. Imagine your, your child being named Phlegon. Phlegon, time for dinner. Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them greet Philogus, Philologus, and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. We'll get there in a second. Now, here's the list. We have all kinds of different people. Paul is saying, everybody's part of this community. We're welcoming them in. You might have seen today, even when you walked in, that we have some new Welcome to Calvary mats. Um, those will next week be outside. But we wanted to just even have you pay special attention to that. And we want you to know, whether you're here for the first time or the millionth time, that we as a body want to welcome you in. This is a place where people can be welcomed. Whether you're a man or woman, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or whether you don't, that this is a place where we want to welcome you and we want to know you so that we can particularize you. And what happens is we read the book of Romans and man, the first 15 chapters like deep theology and like practical living and it's just amazing, blows us away. And now we get to chapter 16 and it's like we're rolling credits at the end of the movie. Have you done that? Have you gone to a movie? And like typically, like if you could say, yeah, I read the book of Romans, but honestly, how many of you just read through those first 16 verses for the first time? Um, picture this, you're sitting in the movie theater and you watch the end of the movie. And, watch this, let's, let's actually do this. Can we get the house lights down and let's roll onto the screen. This is the end of the Planet of the Apes. about when I'm trying to be the first one out and I'm running out and it's like all these names are showing up it's like great Dylan Clark producer who cares might as well be named Phlegon right so you're looking and, oh yeah Thomas Hamill executive producer there's producers I don't even know like and there's like you start getting down and like you have like the first key grip and second key grip and what do all of these people doing and you look at this and you think man this is what Paul was doing at the end of this letter he's just naming names and it's like you look at that and you say who cares if you watch the Muppets at the end of the movie I don't remember which one but in the credits as they're rolling the little characters they come on and they say what are all these names for and then the other Muppet says oh because they have families that's kind of neat and cute and interesting we can get the lights back up now um, we have a, a guy who's part of our church who's in the entertainment industry, John Winokur. He's actually in the sound booth today. And John works on movies and is part of computer animation, that kind of stuff. And he was part of Captain America 2 and uh, went, yeah, it's really cool. And 
all of the people who worked on this project, they were there and they watched the movie and I can imagine there's a sense of like, this is pretty awesome, we were a part of this and this is great. But do you think that at the end of the movie they got up and walked out? No. In fact, they were sitting there and they were watching and when their name came up or their friend's name came up, what was going on in the movie theater? They're cheering, yeah. Right? I bet you it was a little bit louder than that. But there's something about like, that was my part. I was computer graphics animator number 17 and I'm happy, right? Like, and that, that's great. Like, I, I see all those names and I'm barely like, I will only stick around if somebody told me ahead of time that you got to just check there's this thing three minutes after it, right? And they do all those little fun like teasers for the next one. Paul is particularizing. So you can look through um, this list and you can kind of see on the back of there's just some things going on. But what does that look like even for us at Calvary? Like if we were to roll credits of like what is going on here at our church and this person who's serving in the nursery and this person who's been greeting and this person who's been like helping to clean everything up afterwards or set up our station. Like what is it and what is your role and what is God calling you to do? And I I love, there are two movies that I think I could show clips from every single week and, and we could actually like use them. One is Fiddler on the Roof. The other one is this movie, Three Amigos. Have you seen this? Um, now this scene is particularly, particularly, particularized, um, interesting. Uh, at, at this point, our, our character over here, his name is El Guapo, right? El Guapo. And he's terrorizing the people of Santa Poco and he goes and he's having, they're celebrating his 40th birthday party. And so there's a big fiesta. This scene happens to be called Gringos Falling from the Sky. And I love that he's going up and they're celebrating him, right? And he, he, he has this speech moment and I wrote it down. He says, he says to his guys, he says, I know each one of you like I know my own smell. I thought that's pretty awesome. And then he goes by, he walks up to them and he hits them in the shoulder and dust is flying out. And he says, Carlos, we fought the priests of this mission together. And Juan, we crushed the federales in Oaxaca, Mexico, right? And he's going through, and what he's doing is particularizing. He knows them, he has experience with them, and he gets to Chevy Chase and he's all, and, and he doesn't know anything about him, right? So there's this, beautiful scene that takes place of like sometimes this is what happens like we don't even know each other we're not in this relationship with one another enough to be able to particularize one another now Paul is noticing and he has some of these relationships and he's saying you are important I see the work that you're doing I'm noticing I'm paying attention and I'm going to call you out on it I'm going to say something because I love you now speaking of love we also particularize when we show affection In verse 16, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And I used to, honestly, in my college days, use this as a pickup line. (laughs) It didn't work real well. Um, But you guys could try it, college students over there. Um, But look, there's something that's that's going on here. Um, Paul is saying something that the audience, as they're reading this, they know what's going on. But he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. This actually shows up five times in the New Testament. Paul writes a couple and Peter writes a couple. And he's saying, hey, when you see each other, um, greet one another with a holy kiss. I I made the mistake of saying this last service. And since then, I've had seven adult men who have kissed me on my cheek. But this is something that took place. I'll be running after service and hiding somewhere back there. But Something that takes place because we are part of the body of Christ. Um, 
there are things that, that set us apart. And so for the early church, this was actually part of Christian liturgy as early as first and second century. But when they greeted one another, they would greet one another with a holy kiss. If you go to the Middle East, it's still done today. And so there would be this moment of, hey, we are together. There's debate whether it was the men staying with the men and the women staying with the women because there could be some abuse if like the guys are like, hey, it's time to greet. Um, but I remember like my grandfather, Grandpa Joe, would grab me by the face and say something in Yiddish like my beautiful boychikal and he would just slobber all over me and you just wipe it off. That was not a holy kiss. That was an unholy kiss. But Paul is saying, look, I want you to greet one another with a holy kiss. Part of particularizing one another is we, we show affection. We need affection. We need that touch from one another. Um, but we have to be engaged. We have to have our hearts connected to one another. Uh, if you read uh, Luke 7, it's uh, Jesus shows up at the house of Simon. Uh, one of the Pharisees, and there's a woman who's labeled a sinner. And she shows up and she brings this alabaster vial of perfume. You remember this? And she's pouring it on Jesus' feet. And she's wiping his feet with her tears. And she's kissing his feet. And there's a lot of judgment going on. And, and Jesus stops and he looks at Simon, the host of the house, and says, This woman, since she's come in, since the moment she's walked in the door, she's greeted me. She has poured out this expensive perfume and she's kissed my feet. When I came in, you didn't even greet me with a kiss. So culturally, there is something that is happening here that, that we are supposed to be taking part. Now, Pastor Dave is going to be gone next week as well. But when he comes back in two weeks, I have a plan. Let's say, Dave, we are now a church of really intense love, and let's just walk up to Dave now, especially the men, and just give him that holy kiss and say, it's so good to have you here. It's my little... But even, even this, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he betrayed him with a kiss. I think it's interesting that something that was supposed to be done in community as part of the body, that there was the betrayal and the betrayal happened in the kiss, something that, that was supposed to be sacred and you are a part. In that very moment, Judas says, you're not part of me. Jesus says, you would betray me with a kiss. So we need to, we need to be paying attention to that. Um, go to verse 21. We're going to skip um, verses 17 to 20. We're saving that to close out the book of Romans next week. Um, you want to come next week? Um, I'll give you a couple of teaser words. One is Joel Osteen, and the other one is Satan. If those have any interest to you, um, I'm not saying he is Satan. They're two completely different topics. Come back next week, and I'll explain myself. Save your emails. Um, but in verse 21, Paul particularizes a couple other people. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Saucipater. Saucipater, it's time to eat. My kinsman. And I, Tertius who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. So we believe that Paul actually dictated this letter and Tertius is the man putting his signature on it. He's the writer. Gaius, host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. And Quartus, the brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then we go into a doxology. And in verse 25, we see that we particularize when we extend a blessing upon people. And we pray for people in the name of the Lord. And he says this. Now to him who is able. We have a God who is able. What is he able to do? To establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. 
So there's something that has been hidden that we're going to pull the covers off of and we're going to see revealed here. But it is now manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Paul is saying glory to God forever. I pray a blessing over you. Even in children's ministries as we conclude our time with the kids every single week, we just pause and we extend our hands and we put them on the children and we bless them and we say may God be with you. And so this is something that we need to be doing in our homes. We need to be doing these in our relationships. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about this doxology tonight at the doxology service at 545. But we, we want to be a people who are blessing others with our prayers. So we particularize. We're noticing people. It's deep. It's not just, you look great today. What shade is that lipstick, right? Or, man, have you been doing three push-ups yesterday? Yeah, great. But this is it. We particularize because we have been particularized. Ultimately, we want to do this because this is what God has done for us and to us. Um, In the Old Testament, we get a picture, and here's just one really great example. In Genesis 16, why don't you go there? I'm going to read through a couple of verses here. But in Genesis 16, here's the backstory to this, is God promises Abraham and Sarah that they're going to be the father and mother of many, and it's not working. They're not having children. Sarah is barren, and so they go with their plan B. Instead of God's plan A, God was just waiting to see their faithfulness, but they devised their own plan B, and that is, Sarah says, Abraham, go to my maidservant, her name is Hagar, sleep with her, conceive a child, and then we will have what God has promised. Maybe this is the path. Let's not be patient anymore, let's do our own thing. Well, she conceives, she becomes pregnant, and now this creates a tension. Even though Sarah said, go do it, and had the blessing there, gave the blessing, now there is enmity and strife between Sarah and Hagar. So much so that she was really harsh to her, and Hagar felt like she had to escape and leave. And so she goes, a pregnant young woman, off into the wilderness, going back to her hometown probably in Egypt, and You can imagine just the devastation that she's experiencing. But in Genesis 16, starting in verse 7, something unique happens. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her. Um, First of all, when it says the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is a theophany. We see this is God himself. It's not just an angel. It's the angel. So God shows up and he finds her and she is by a, a spring of water in the wilderness. By the spring on the way to Shur. And he said... Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child and you will bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. And his hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all of his brothers. This is a prophecy that 
we see firsthand today as the sons of Ishmael are coming against the sons of Jacob or Israel and there is clashing in this world like we've never seen before. We talked about that last week. But God sees her and notices her. He found her by this spring of water. And then in verse 13, we have her response. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her and she said to him, you are a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roi, which means the well of the living one who sees me. God particularized Hagar in that moment. Now, you can look through and Jesus sees people all over the place. In the New Testament, on the back of your outline, I put several examples, but just reread through the Gospels and you can see with this lens of what Jesus is doing. But in particular, in Luke chapter 8, I thought this was really interesting. Jesus is just kind of going from miracle to miracle. And in chapter 8, verse 43, there was a woman who was sick. She was hemorrhaging. She'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She's bleeding. And she could not be healed by anyone. And so she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. You are in a crowd. There are people, everybody touched you. No, he said, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And they're scratching their head like, what is going on? Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that the power had gone out of me. It's interesting. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice that she was seen, that she was particularized in that moment, she came trembling and she fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This kind of passage at the end of Romans takes place in quite a few of the epistles that Paul is writing. This one is the longest one. Whenever you see this list of names, I want you just to immediately have this correlation with this word particularized. Paul is doing something here that is being done in our lives by God. Now, I said at the very beginning, some of you have not been seen. Some of you have not been noticed. Some of you have not been particularized at all in your life. And from that, there are some very deep and personal wounds. Some of you have gone through incredible effort to be seen whether that is addictions, whether that is performing, whatever that is that you said, look at me, look at me, I need somebody to see me. Sometimes it worked and you got negative attention and sometimes it just didn't and you just kept trying. Maybe a long time ago you just gave up. And so I want you to hear today that even if Man does not see you, even if you are not particularized by another human being on this earth. We have a God who does. I know this is hard because some of you don't feel particularized even by God. 
But there's something about that scenario of Hagar in the midst of her trouble, painful past and uncertain future that she stands right in the middle of that. And God comes and he sees her. He doesn't say like, I'm going to remove this baby and it's going to be aborted. He doesn't say, I'm going to make everything right with you. He just says, I see you. He doesn't necessarily fix the problem, but she leaves with a sense of hope. She leaves with the sense of being seen. And we need that so desperately. So I want you to take on that role in the body of Christ. There is nobody else outside of here that is going to give you that particular voice. The voice of the Lord saying, you know what? I see that God made you in this way. And I think that you're unique and I think that you're special because of this. And so that's kind of like marching orders today is to do it. And it might be awkward and you might just have to start off with the line, hi, I'm about to particularize you. Now, if that step feels a little bit too far, we have included in your bulletin today the particularization starter kit. It's in the form of this postcard. And this is another way to do it. We like postcards here. We did one last week to our missionaries, right? But maybe, maybe the words don't come out as easily for you, but maybe what you need to do is you find somebody that you know something about, something that you've seen, and maybe you just need to spend some time, and you just have to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to say to this person? And you pause and you write it. Maybe you have to pause and you have to, I mean, I, I will sit down sometimes with people, and in real time, I'm asking this question, God, what is it that they need to hear right now? And so I encourage you to be particularizers, if that's even a word, but to go out and to do the work of what Jesus was doing. And then for you and your relationship with God, it's a question. God, what do you want to say to me? God, I need to hear your voice. I want to be particularized by you. And so we do that. Um, We're going to worship God. And we're going to respond. And part of this is just a a plea. God, would you hear me? God, I heard today that you noticed me. Can you show me what that looks like? Um, We have stations here. There's these tables. If you've never been here, you're here as our guest. Uh, And at these tables, these stations, we just have a chance to interact. This might be a different kind of service where there's actually a lot of movement and people are walking around. But here at these stations, we can actually take communion and Just like greeting one another with a holy kiss was part of the church. This is something that we do as the church. We remember Jesus and that he died for us in particular. And so you can take the bread and the cup. You can also give your offering here to support the work of what is happening here at Calvary Church. Um, So I want to extend that invitation to you. And uh, and during this time, just to be thankful and just to go to God in prayer and, and ask Who is it that you want me to be particularizing today? This is not a one-time thing. This is a lifetime integration. We've got to do this all the time. And God, how do you see me? Let's pray. Lord, we... I think sometimes we just live in the bondage of not being noticed and... For some of us, I know for my, there, there have been points in my own life where I would have done anything for somebody to see me, to be noticed, in kind of a desperate, 
weird, awkward, horrible way. Uh, but God, there is something at, at, at our core that we want to be seen, but for who we are and who you've made us to be and our contribution. Do we have what it takes and are we worth it and are we enough? And so God, would you just meet us here today? Would we hear your voice? And Lord, maybe that is from you directly and maybe you're going to send one of us here today to go out and to particularize somebody else that we hear your voice through others. So help us as the body of Christ to encourage specifically one another. Help us to love each other deeply. Thank you for knowing us, for knowing our name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.